This is Hard Rock Save the Space Dandy, a retro science fiction podcast focused on Asian multimedia from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I'm your host, Dave, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 3. Today we'll be looking at the AD Police Files, OVA Episodes 1 and 2, as well as the AD Police manga Dead End City. In the previous episode of Mega Tokyo, we took a look at the 2003 film Natural City from South Korea. Uh, this episode, the AD Police Files will bring us back to Japan, uh, as well as putting us back in the correct time period. Both the OVA and the manga were released in 1990, or in the case of the manga, um, the issues were put out in 1989 through 1990. And as with the previous episodes of this season, the subject matter we'll be covering uh, is taking a look at cyber-terrorism, which at the time would have just been termed terrorism. Um, we'll be looking again at human and cyborg uh, interpersonal relationships, as well as what it might mean to actually be human uh, or cyborg, or some sort of mix between the two. And finally, something that cropped up in the last episode, what is to be done with cyborg parts um, once the cyborg is terminated? Uh, are they recyclable? Should they be used again in another uh, cyborg or in some other function? So first up, we'll be taking a look at the AD Police Files OVA-1 entitled Phantom Lady. Uh, as I mentioned, this came out in 1990. Now, the story itself is set in the, again, far-off future of 2027. The series itself is going to be following two main characters, and this is Leon McNichol and Gina Malso. Uh, both are officers in the AD police, the advanced police, um, as opposed to the normal police. Um, we covered this a little bit in the first episode looking at parasite dolls. Uh, however, this um, the timeline, or I guess continuity, of the AD police files is separate from the parasite dolls and the... Well, the Presidals was technically the prequel, but um, the AD police files to serve and protect, I believe. Um, so this instead, uh, the AD police files, no subtitle, um, is the prequel to the, the core um, Bubblegum Crisis series, which takes place in uh, 2032. And of the AD Police Files characters, uh, only Leon McNichol uh, is going to be making a repeat appearance between um, the AD Police Files and the core Bubblegum Crisis um, OVA series. In this, the first OVA, uh, it is Leon's, uh, I guess it's his prologue. He has just joined the AD Police um, on a transfer from the normal police. The, the AD police in general uh, in this series has just been uh, formed. I believe it was formed in uh, 20... I think it was formed in 2027. And that was in direct response to the rise in uh, boomer crimes uh, over the last two years uh, since 2025 when the second great Kanto earthquake um, decimated the area. Now, the... The company, we, we brought this up um, previously, but uh, I guess if you're tuning in on this episode, um, the current state of Mega Tokyo is in large um, responsible and run by the um, conglomerate uh, Genom. And it, um, it put itself in a position to benefit from the uh, destruction of the Kanto earthquake by previously purchasing uh, large swaths of land um, in the metropolitan area, uh, as well as um, taking a market share of uh, supply and repair materials 
a little bit of that information is covered in the manga uh, rather than in either the OVA series uh, or in the Bubble Crisis OVA series later on. And from the background in the rest of the uh, 80 police files, we are given the impression that the majority of the um, members of the 80 police were not recruited from the normal police, uh, but are perhaps maybe paramilitary. Uh, it doesn't give, as I said, much of a background um, on these characters. However, we do know directly that Leon was... Um, inducted or transferred from the normal police into the AD police as a means of smoothing uh, over relations. The normal police seem to resent some of the power that the AD police has. Uh, and perhaps not even just that. The general populace is uh, less favorable um, toward the AD police. And as we see through both the series and the manga, the part and parcel of that has to do with the collateral damage that the AD police cause either directly or indirectly in their attempts to uh, subdue rogue bloomers. On occasion in both the first and second OVA episodes, the AD police have also shown a flagrant disregard for um, civilian casualties in, in pursuit of taking down uh, these boomers. Uh, one of their armored personnel carriers drives through a, a, per, a completely crowded street um, crushing cars out of the way um, throwing pedestrians to the side uh, who are attempting to dodge the not cognizant uh, driver of the armored personnel carrier. Um, it doesn't show that anyone's killed outright, but it, it's not um, too far of a stretch to assume that that might be the case. And another point to consider uh, would be Leon's transfer into the 80 police was potentially a direct result from his encounter uh, with the boomer um, in a prologue during the first OVA episode where he manages to um, gun down the, the rogue boomer in question, uh, which was a female model and has, that incident rather, um, has, has imparted some physical and mental trauma uh, to our protagonist, uh, Leon McNichol. He, he shows signs of PTSD later on in the episode. Uh, and, and it it forms a core of his relationship with boomers um, throughout the series, um, which I think is mitigated a little bit as the, as the shows um, progress. But given that this first um, few episodes takes place early on in his career, uh, the, and he's also roughly 20 years old um, when this occurs, um, that there's time and room for, for growth for his character. But regardless of his experiences in the normal police, um, and however, however long that, that may have been, his transfer into the AD police um, is a fresh start for him, and he's, of course, treated as the, the newbie, the rookie on the team. Um, and I think all of the uh, mild, uh, in this case, hazing that that... Um, carries with it. Now, Leon's partner in the 80 Police is Gina Malso, the other main character that we'll be following through the series. Uh, on her side of things, she is not a rookie with the 80 Police. Um, she potentially has been in there uh, working with um, that division uh, at its inception. She's also one of several people we'll find throughout the series that has uh, a cybernetic limb uh, or at least some form of cybernetic enhancement. In fact, in hindsight, uh, we can say that Leon McNichol, um, as well as Gina Malso, are archetypes for Buzz and Michelson uh, that appear in the Parasite Dolls. 
um, spin-off uh, some 14 years after the fact um, in, in, in the time that they were produced anyway. However, we do have a little bit of uh, age reversal between the, um, the two pairs where with Buzz and uh, Michelson, Buzz was the elder character. And in this case, Gina is about four years older than Leon. Also, she's not a one-to-one -one representation in, in Michelson. Uh, Gina is far more self-assured, um, arguably more capable in the, the job that she has to perform um, and in, I think, her personal life. So the episode itself picks up uh, immediately after Leon's little prologue um, and his incident with the, the boomer um, as a member of normal police, uh, cutting almost immediately to some time later where he, uh, Gina, and their, their, I guess, other partner, Alice, um, are involved in the apprehension uh, or I guess disposal, whatever you want to call it, of another uh, rogue boomer. This one is uh, a waitress uh, or some sort of helper at a mm, a tea shop, or like a sort of confectionery and tea shop. Um, initially, the normal police are attempting to or I guess they responded first, uh, are attempting to uh, take care of the, the boomer. Um, they're unable to do so, and the AD police uh, arrive and step in. So our trio arrive and attempt to physically uh, restrain and deactivate the, the boomer. This doesn't turn out so well as Leon proves some of his inexperience um, in knowing just how much force to put on the on the boomer. Um, he does not put enough, and the boomer, of course, being quite a bit stronger than a regular, unaugmented human, uh, knocks loose from his grasp and ends up killing Alice, their um, partner. This, of course, doesn't sit well with Leon, who blames himself for his new partner's death. Uh, but it's not... Um, he's not seen at fault uh, by the AD police department itself. Uh, if anything, what ends up happening is uh, internal affairs or the division that deals with um, financial matters and uh, insurance, um, I guess, payouts benefits rather, uh, determines that the boomer itself was, uh, not, or rather nothing in its programming caused it to go rogue. It was being overworked and designed for 12 hour shifts. Uh, however, the uh, owners of the tea shop were running it for, um, the entire business days. I don't believe they were turning it off. So just letting it run, and it uh, it it's ended up malfunctioning because of that, or potentially because of that. They also discover that uh, Alice was a patron of that particular shop, and as such knew, or was in a position to know that the boomer was being overworked. He also had racked up quite a bit of outstanding debt, and while fully aware of his own life insurance policy, um, potentially orchestrated this uh, fatal incident to uh, absolve the debt that his family would owe. Um, that isn't something that uh, either Leon uh, or, I guess, nor Gina in particular, um, who had been working with their partner for far longer, uh, insists that um, Alice was not planning to do such a thing and so it falls to both Leon and Gina to prove that their partner uh, is innocent of this accusation uh, thus freeing up the benefit payout that his family would receive they are given six hours to prove the innocence of their partner and so, as such lead us into the second half of the episode 
So they begin their investigation, and through it, they find out that the boomer in question uh, was furnished with recycled parts from other boomers. And not only that, but that was the case for boomers working in the vicinity or being utilized in the vicinity. So this isn't an isolated case. They tracked down the workshop that had um, potentially provided these used parts to find out that the parts were being recycled from decommissioned sex worker boomers. So along with providing uh, probable evidence for the innocence of their partner um, in, in some sort of collusion, uh, they also undercover this um, sex trafficking ring. Now, the investigation and its results end up being a sort of subplot. Uh, at this point, we have a secondary character that has appeared at least once um, during the episode, uh, a woman that is shadowing both uh, Leon and Gina, and as it turns out, is not particularly interested in Gina, but um, wholly fixated on Leon. This woman naturally turns out to be a boomer, and not just any boomer, but a recycle of the original boomer that Leon had killed on his um, tenure as a normal police officer. And because they had only had six hours to uh, do their work, both Leon and Gina eventually, or ultimately, split up to cover more ground in their, in their investigation, and um, at this point is when the boomer uh, approaches Leon and we find out part of her history um, through the Boomer's monologue, and also indirectly uh, as we are witness to Gina's side of the investigation, she tracks down the the, the factory shop that had um, been refurbishing these um, Boomers uh, to, to put them into the sex worker trade. And she sees one of the boomers on file and recon recognizing it as the, the woman that had been trailing them. The technician, I guess, uh, the paratechnician of the shop um, pulls up the file uh, for that particular boomer, showing that, um, or I guess telling Gina, that the, the boomer itself um, was perpetually defective there was a image file that they could not delete and when they pull it up it's a it's a picture of leon um or i guess the a video capture of leon during the last moments of the original form of the boomer uh, when, when he had uh, killed it during his normal police days so knowing how fixated this boomer has become uh gina leaves the the factory and um goes to track down her partner before it's too late. And that brings us back to Leon and his encounter with the obsessed boomer. And also forms the core of Leon's distrust and dislike of boomers as a whole, and potentially um, some other traumatizing bits uh, with why he may have issues with women in, in general, but that's not uh, explored uh, too much, really, uh, in the series, and he he does recover um, from at least that aspect of it uh, as the series moves on. So what we glean from the Boomer's monologue is that she, or I guess the the malfunction the boomer was having the the first time around was that um, her emotional center had conflated um, pleasure with pain, and her desire was for uh, Leon to destroy her, to literally rip her apart with his gun. Um, and that was confounded by the uh, alternate desire for her to 
visit that same violence upon Leon and to, to kill him. So her ultimatum was, if if you don't kill me, I will kill you. And she acts directly on that impulse, um, attempting to, uh, well, kill Leon. And Leon, of course, defending himself as best he can because she's, again, quite a bit stronger uh, to make things worse uh, for Leon at least um, she's come at him dressed pretty much only in a um, bit of lingerie putting Leon in a clearly uncomfortable situation uh, with which he's you know, uh, attempting to, to save his own life um, the fight ends up fairly one-sided because his um, his bullets are all missing the mark, uh, unable to sever the spinal column, I guess, of the uh, boomer and render it um, out of commission. Fortunately for Leon, his partner uh, made good use of her time and uh, arrives just before Leon is going to be killed, and at that point Gina is able to um, decommission the, the boomer. The whole mess, of course, uh, leaves Leon shaken and questioning not only his job, I think, but um, the the role of humans in this um, particular city and what challenges they face given the widespread or spreading use of boomer technology. So ultimately what we have is Leon questioning the role of humans in society and boomers in society. But not only that, the um, interplay between the two. And we've established the fact that some boomers do in fact go rogue through a cause um, that's unknown or at least attributed to the production lines via Genom. So they're potentially being constructed or, or built uh, with a defect already in place. Alternatively, we have the uh, degradation of the boomers. But again, this is due to human tempering uh, or the recycled, I guess unauthorized uh, recycling of parts uh, between the different classes of boomers, which is um, something that can only be repeated so many times before it um, eventually breaks down some uh, a, a facet of the boomer personality. In either case, uh, it's a man-made issue with the with the boomers on the whole. So what does that ultimately mean for the boomers that haven't been tampered with and their roles in society, or, or at least their ability to carry out those roles um, unimpeded? And without those defects uh, or, or external tampering that causes them to go berserk, uh, their efficacy in society uh, or, or their, their ability to take over these roles that um, have been performed uh, by humans traditionally. What does that mean for the, the, f the future of Mega Tokyo? And not only for the citizens, but also for uh, jobs such as the AD police. If the boomers were not going rogue every so often, uh, what would the AD police do? Their job is primarily to subdue rogue boomers uh, or um, crimes involving boomers. With those being lessened, uh, th their own personal roles and Leon's role in general uh, would be rendered useless. On the other hand, most if not all of these problems are caused in part by human greed uh, or desire for money, uh, advancement of position, um, job security so that's another aspect that uh, the second episode and the well the, the manga gets a little bit more into it than any of the three OVA episodes
And that brings us to episode two of the OVA series. This one is entitled The Ripper and takes place again in 2027. Now, there's a few events that occur in this particular episode that I would say places it before some of the events in the first episode. Um, however, the timeline between the two is a little bit ambiguous. We find out here, uh, as I mentioned in episode one, that uh, Genome also has an artificial arm. She has a one cybernetic arm, whereas in this she has both of her human limbs. However, the way she's treating Leon and the way that the other members of the AD police treat Leon, he doesn't seem to be as much of a rookie, uh, which is strange because this should be taking place before uh, his treatment um, in, in the first uh, OVA. But I think that's a facet of the series as a whole, as the uh, manga issues also um, jump around quite a bit. So the continuity isn't doesn't appear to be quite as important as what's going on, or at least themes that it's dealing with. And some of those continuity issues may be in part to the the fact that Leon and Gina sort of take a backseat to um, two other characters, Iris Kara and her partner. Uh, both are employed with the normal police, and Iris in particular uh, has known Leon during his days as an um, normal police officer so over the events in OVA 1 this one deals much more uh, with the interplay between the normal police and the advanced police we see that the line of jurisdiction uh, between the cases they deal with is a little bit more blurred than one would think if crimes are being committed by or against boomers that would that surely should be just the jurisdiction of the advanced police and have little or nothing to do with the normal police. What we find out here is that there has been a string of murders uh, on a subway loop um, called Paradise Loop. This um, this particular subway line, uh, it's for all in all intents and purposes um, a defunct line. They, the show refers to it as a no-man's land where prostitution, uh, drug dealing, um, and other assorted crimes are committed and on a general basis where the, the police often, I think, don't, in, don't intervene um, provided the gravity of the crimes do not... Um, stray into certain territories such as murder and that's what that we find out happens here initially as their murders are reported the normal police have taken control of the case and they discover uh through the the course of some span of time that there has been six uh sex workers murdered on this particular um closed train loop and at this point, they are unsure whether to attribute the crimes to a human or a boomer. The severity of the crimes is um, part and parcel of why the normal police have maintained their involvement as the damage done to the individuals or the victims uh, was a substantial and not only that, but done in such a manner as to suggest uh, emotions were involved um, in, in the, the completion of these murders, something that a boomer generally would have been more clinical and not uh, as prone to, even the, the boomers that have um, uh, begun to rampage. Primarily, that's because the rampaging boomers uh, are more indiscriminate in the nature of their violence. And in this case, the target of all these murders has um, has been these women, um, and the, the sole victims have formed something of a pattern uh, or a, an MO of the killer, which the police discuss is the, uh, the, the abdomen of these women um, is what has been mutilated. 
Which brings us to our introduction of Iris and her partner, uh, both of whom have been assigned to this particular case. They uh, go before, I guess, a board of the um, normal police and advanced police, so it must be a sort of, sort of police board in general, to plead their case that this um, these crimes are the work of a human um, and not a boomer. They're, they're able to shed enough doubt on the identity of the killer that, uh, or the, not doubt, but doubt that it's a boomer, um, in order to make this a, um, like a dual case. So not only are, um, Iris and her partner working on this, but they're, they're paired with, um, of course, Leon and Gina to decide ultimately, um, who, who should, um, hold jurisdiction over this particular crime. Now, as it turns out, uh, Iris's hunch that this was a, uh, human perpetrator, uh, is not, is not far off base, um, due to some happenstance and, uh, careful later investigation, she uncovers that one Miss Caroline Evers, a, um, a business tycoon, uh, is the number one suspect in these murder cases. Iris discovers that Caroline has ascended to her position through, um, not only her own initiative, but through a disregard, um, of her bits of her anatomy that uh, were ha- had been called into question as what was impeding her work performance prior to her ascension to um, tycoon status. Her former employer uh, was using a, a chart to discredit um, Caroline's work saying that her uh, performance on the job would degrade with the onset of her menstrual cycle and this of course was a, a fabrication on the part of her employer and to combat that she takes the radical step of removing um, her reproductive organs and having them replaced with uh, cybernetic versions um, Ultimately, she replaces at least uh, 70% of her body with cybernetics. And this ends up being crucial uh, and a a turning point in um, the nature of what AD police would eventually um, be able to claim as their own jurisdiction. Now, regarding Caroline's motives for murder of these um, sex workers, her former boss um, ended up working under her as, as she increased her position within the company, and they eventually got married. Seemed a little bit odd uh, when it got to that part of the story, but uh, what ends up happening is that because, or maybe not because, Um, with Caroline um, having replaced her reproductive organs, her husband uh, ended up losing his attraction to her or so he claims and he ended up cheating on her with prostitutes or sex workers uh, on that Paradise Loop subway train. And of course to add insult to injury uh, her husband states that uh, he or explained away his um, infidelity, saying things were better with a, a real woman after all. This, of course, did not sit well with Caroline, who ended up not only murdering her husband for his infidelity, but also uh, visiting her wrath on the, the, the sex workers, um, the six that she had murdered. Of course, Iris doesn't discover this secondhand. Um, she finds it out firsthand as she's trailed um, Caroline, hoping to head off the 
not only another murder, but uh, also to find out why um, these crimes are being committed. Ultimately, this places uh, Iris in a dangerous position because Caroline, uh, after divulging her issues, has um, decided, of course, to eliminate Iris. But before she can do so, of course, the AD police show up and uh, end up chasing her off. Well, they're attempting to, to apprehend her, but she, she, she makes her get away back onto the Paradise Loop. But even at this moment, uh, Iris is attempting to dissuade the AD police from following and uh, keeping the jurisdiction of the crime within the normal police, within the ranks of the normal police, um, as it were. Uh, her view is that uh, Caroline is still human, uh, regardless of the amount of cybernetic parts that she's um, implanted into her body. The, the crimes that she's committed uh, require the emotional capacity of a human um, and, and could not have been um, committed by a boomer uh, with, with the intent behind it that um, Caroline has um, divulged to her. Here, though, we see that this incident is becoming a... Um, political maneuver on part of the higher-ups in the uh, AD police organization, and they're making the the case that a human with over, with 70% or over um, portion of their body um, having been converted to cybernetics is no longer classified as human and can be treated as a boomer or a cyberoid so in between a boomer and a human, and prosecuted, or at least put through the system as such, so the jurisdiction would fall into the lap of the AD police uh, instead, uh, thus increasing the amount of um, jobs that they'd be able to handle. And politically, um, this raises the question of human rights, uh, what entitlements would be granted to these cyberoids um, if in fact they are being classified as boomers or as other rather than human um, anyone having uh, exceeded that 70% mark have they somehow become less than human in the eyes of the um, political arena or in the eyes of Boomers, have they ascended to some other uh, realm of evolution? And if they are seen as less than human, uh, Iris's concern is what's the difference between 69% uh, of conversion and 70%? Where are these lines ultimately drawn? Why is it such an arbitrary number? And what does that mean for people who have smaller percentages? one or ten percent uh this is also shown in her character's um hesitance to replace uh she's, she's having eye problems and her co-workers have advised her to just have the replacement surgery to have a cybernetic eye implanted uh, rather than deal with the irritation and pain um, that she's experiencing or her own partner uh, has replaced um at least uh, one of her fingers and you know she she claims that um, there's you can't even tell uh, just by looking that it's um, that it's been replaced so why what why would that why should that be an issue uh, these are concerns that iris has in um, under undergoing that particular surgery and her decision to do so uh is informed by this the ending of this case uh, as well as how, how she originally met um, Caroline in the first place who had um, she, she met her at the cybernetic limb replacement um, clinic where Caroline was getting um, evaluated for the 
how her her I guess post surgery how her other operations had gone uh, while um, Iris herself was debating whether or not she would get her eye replaced. So the views that Iris holds at the beginning and throughout the the center part of the episode where she's questioning her own mm, I guess morality uh, and her own thoughts on what it means if she gives up um, an organ or has it replaced and if that makes her any different than what she was prior to uh, making that choice. And then her ultimate acceptance of undergoing the operation and getting the cybernetic eye as the episode um, concludes. And those same questions that she has are, are voiced by Leon, who does what he can, I guess, to dissuade uh, her decision, saying that um, the the clinic that she's at when he encounters her there is nothing more than a uh, sort of a chop shop. It's a place where the organs and limbs and anything that's removed from humans are upwardly recycled. Um, it's a it's a black market for uh, basically rich folks who purchase those organs and use them to um, enhance and or lengthen their own, uh, if not lifespan, the span of their um, organs. So it's sort of an inverse of what we saw with the sex worker trade where the cyborg parts are being recycled to create new um, supposedly functioning boomers or to refurbish old boomers. Um, this is being done also with humans transitioning from human to eventually that, that um, arbitrary 70% uh, mix uh, and becoming uh, cyberoids. So in the end, not only does Iris undergo the um, elective surgery process, but we find out that um, Gina, during an unrelated uh, episode, or not episode, but an incident with a boomer, um, her her shoulder was injured, and that required, or at least leads to the replacement of her um, right arm, lending not only a trait that we noticed in the first episode, but also leading to a problem uh, or an issue that occurs uh, during the manga. And that will wrap up our coverage of the first two OVA episodes. We'll take a short break and finish up this episode with a look at the Dead End City. And we're back. So let's take a look at AD Police Dead End City. This manga came out in 1989 and ran through 1990 was released again later in a single uh, Tunkabon volume in 1994. In universe, the, uh, the manga takes place in the year 2027, and it goes through 2028. So parts of it are concurrent with the OVA episodes, and it moves a little bit beyond uh, into the time period slightly before the Bubblegum Crisis OVA series that begins in 2032. As with the OVA series, it takes place in Mega Tokyo and focuses on our AD police uh, team of Leon and Gina. However, the manga focuses a little bit more on Gina uh, as a whole, and um, Leon is relegated a little bit to a side character, uh, but he does have his, his moments um, in the latter portion of the uh, manga. Now, even more so than the OVA uh, episodes, this manga calls specific attention to uh, civic and economic problems that uh, were foresighted to um, occur or were already becoming a bit of an issue at the time. As I mentioned, this uh, came out in 1990, and there's... There is no uh, doubt or 
misunderstanding as to why Bubblegum Crisis, the, the, the series that this is a prologue to, is titled what is titled um, during the late 80s and up to 1991, the economic bubble of Japan's economy um, was still in full swing uh, and had yet to collapse. Uh, however, it does or did um, collapse, as I mentioned, in uh, 1992, providing a very real and present concern uh, for Japan at the time. A lot of that unease is translated both directly and indirectly uh, within these works. Uh, for example, uh, the opening panels uh, for this particular comic, uh, there is a news announcer discussing uh, ongoing problems for a collapsing uh, mega city that is Mega Tokyo. They are as follows. Uh, they're dealing with a corrupt government, a rising gap, if not a full gap between the rich and the poor, air pollution, serious traffic problems, population control, scarcity of land, poor morale, increasing violent crime, the divorce rate, drugs, graft, suicide rates, and terrorism. Those are just the problems that are uh, directly mentioned. There are, of course, uh, tangential problems that would occur um, either as a result or leading up to uh, these these particular problems. And these are all, of course, issues that um, other uh, larger cities and ones where the general economic status of a city and the rules and regulations are being controlled by uh, not only the government, but in this, in this particular case, um, highly influenced, if not outright, um, controlled by the Genom Corporation, which is a Zaibatsu, so it's a family-owned um, conglomerate. And that has parallels in, of course, real-world uh, corporations. Um, however, the even some years later, the, um, the level of technology has not um, reached the predictive uh, technologies that we see here. Uh, we have, well, less than 10 years to go, and um, no, no boomers in sight, uh, though there have been potentially sufficient strides in artificial intelligence uh, and in robotics in the last decade or so. But uh, nothing to the level that we see uh, demonstrated within the, the um, confines of this particular setting. We have, however, addressed a few of the concerns uh, that are cropping up here, such as the scarcity of land that is um, something being uh, alleviated in part or in whole with the land reclamation um, efforts in uh, Tokyo Bay and uh, elsewhere in Japan. Um, as we have also well, mentioned in particular, but Japan is a nation of islands, and there are uh, only so much of the land that is um, useful for habitat. Uh, human habitation. Um, a lot of it is mountainous uh, and forested regions. Combined with the need for uh, farmable land and in, uh, in, a, of, in with a formally um, wholly agrarian society that has gone from that to um, heavier um, industrialization, uh, there, there's been a whole host of problems um, in that. But uh, the the idea of uh, land reclamation um, is not some uh, science fiction, but uh, you know a reality uh, that has its own uh, problems uh, due to uh, pollution, as is mentioned here. But um, the, the the real world um, implication of uh, heavy construction um, and urbanization. Uh, and the efforts um, specifically in the 1960s and 70s.
So a whole host of these problems are as a result of the a burgeoning economy that um, ultimately you know, collapsed in on itself and uh, has remained for quite some time and 20 years after after the fact uh, a, a very real issue and one of course that was not unforeseen and is the well it's not dealt with but it is uh, addressed and it's um, the concerns and outlook of what could happen um, as far as uh, the you know the timeline of 1980 was concerned, uh, those insecurities were um, you know, made evident in um, this particular work, or this, this body of work. Now, I mentioned earlier that uh, with, within this setting, um, it is supposed that Ginnam uh, not only benefited greatly from the um, Kanto earthquake of 2025, but um, that it's um, it's implied that they potentially engineered that earthquake somehow um, in order to place themselves in a, a greater position of power um, commercially, um, economically, and politically, uh, taking control of Mega Tokyo. Uh, with the intent of uh, a greater monopoly on technology, the boomer uh, technology in particular, uh, and other um, offshoots of their conglomerate uh, as a whole. They have interests um, and a hand in the Space Development Public Corporation, um, which controls... Uh, appears to be a privatized, since it's a corporation, it's a privatized um, business that uh, deals with um, construction of satellites uh, later of a uh, orbital web of um, militarized uh, laser defense system um, and uh, other space exploration um, and exploitation, rather, um, technologies. And it's through uh, oversight uh, or mismanagement uh, within the SPDC that we have our first uh, issue or problem uh, occurring within the uh, setting of AD Police Dead End City. As it turns out, four boomers um, were employed, or I guess, or work stationed on the um, orbital station Generous, uh, which was, uh, of course, run by the SPDC. And these four boomers hijacked an escape pod, uh, piloting it back down um, out of orbit and to uh, Mega Tokyo. They, they did this under the leadership of one of the boomers in particular, who... Uh, who had been damaged by cosmic radiation uh, and in in specific uh, the the boomers themselves and it's revealed to the to the reader to us that uh, their brains have all the functionality of a normal human brain but control is established via a series of blocks that limit it, uh, that limit uh, full access to the uh, their pr particular brain functions uh, enabling them to be placed under control uh, and limiting their um, their autonomous activity to, um, I guess, pre-programmed, I guess, presets. That would, that would be the, the case. Well, that cosmic radiation damaged the blocks on one of the boomers, and he is now... Uh, I say he. It has now um, attained a autonomous awareness and uh, functionality that um, is not afforded to its brethren. This, uh, this awareness has given it a like a messiah complex where the boomer uh, believes that it is above other boomers, it is above humanity, um, humankind in general in its view, 
uh, have reached the limits of their um, evolutionary potential. Uh, however, boomers being um, constructs and uh, upgradable um, are above those limits or can surpass those limits, particularly uh, if they are freed of the, the shackles of those barriers um, to, to their, uh, their brain functions. So the boomer has his three cohorts and it is their intent to break into Genome's central database and um, find a way to remove those blocks. Unfortunately, those plans are interrupted uh, by AD police intervention once they realize well, what the boomers are up to, or at least that boomers are committing a uh, cybercrime. Well, we also discovered that boomers uh, can be remotely shut down via access to their um, parasympathetic system. That's not fully explained, but uh, could be a better way to tackle some of these problems uh, rather than the overabundance of violence that uh, the AD police generally employ. So the, the ability to shut them down must not be as effective um, as we're led to believe or have a specific range that otherwise uh, would invalidate the use of firearms. Um, especially it's probably just not very safe to uh, try to remotely shut them down and uh, to take care of the boomers at distance. Which, of course, would also beg the question, if that's the case, why did uh, Leon, uh, Gina, and, um, and their partner, um, Alice, uh, go through all that trouble in, in, in the first episode where if they could have shut down the boomer remotely in the first place? So it must not be a reliable system. Uh, and in fact, when Leon attempts to do so yeah, using this remote control, it fails him and uh, puts him in harm's way just as much as if he had uh, tried to physically attack the boomer in the first place. But regardless of their method, uh, the AD police are able to thwart the megalomaniacal aspirations of the, the group of boomers um, attempting to hack into Genom. After those plans are thwarted, the story skips ahead a year, uh, and we have the focus shifting back to um, Gina Malso instead. Uh, Gina runs into her old boyfriend, Max, who she finds out uh, abruptly um, has thrown his lot into or in with a terrorist organization, the Tokyo People's Liberation League. The, this organization is concerned specifically with um, Genom's overreach that they that they see and its um, heavy involvement in world politics and potential world, I guess, aspirations for, for world domination. Their, their worries are not unfounded. Genom itself has created a supercomputer, Alex, that uh, has the potential to take over any and all network systems um, on Earth. And at this point is being used to control a, um, I believe it's a district of uh, Mega Tokyo. Uh, it is linked into all networks. It is the, I guess, network of things. Um, so that's a, a bit of a pre-essence on the part of this manga. Some, some this this, this uh, current day interconnectivity um, of everything, uh, and potential surveillance by the computers at large. Um, it's it's not uh, it's not far off the mark of what you know what we deal with um, in particular. So that's an interesting and um, useful thing to look at uh, as far as the science fiction note of this is concerned but the the organization uh, this uh, the TPLL <laughs> is uh, it's intent 
in intending to uh, destroy the, or I guess, use function some functions of the Alex computer or the supercomputer, uh, and let the public at large um, understand the capabilities of this supercomputer and basically uncover the corruption uh, and aspirations of Genom uh, on the whole, kind of shedding light into uh, the, the, shadowy do the shadowy doings of this um, conglomeration. Ultimately, um, Gina is taken hostage by the, the terror group, and we are treated to a lengthy homage to the the film Die Hard. Um, it's called out in particular in the dialogue, uh, where Gina uses her skills to thwart the terrorists that have taken over the um, the particular building. Um, and while it's not outright outright named like Nakatomi Plaza, uh, it's it's a close enough illusion. She's going through the vents, taking out terrorists one by one. Um, and it uh, turns into a sort of showdown with um, her her ex-boyfriend, Max, who is holding a detonator. Uh, in the end, Max's uh, devotion to the cause and to, I guess, humanity uh, overrides anything else he had been about to do, and he uh, sacrifices himself to blow up the supercomputer. Which, uh, plot twist, uh, was being co-opted by our friend from the earlier uh, portion of the manga, the boomer that had um, the messianic complex uh, has taken over the body of another boomer, um, escaped from, I guess, police custody, and was intent uh, and in the process of fusing himself with Alex to gain, I guess, a worldwide sentience. Um, he also succeeds in uh, taking control of the orbital, um, one orbital satellite laser uh, with particularly devastating results. Um, the sacrifice of Max was not in vain, and it... Uh, severs the connection between the boomer uh, and the um, supercomputer. However, here's also where we see the, it's not really a MacGuffin, but um, the, the potential downside to um, cybernetically enhancing oneself while the uh, Gina's prosthetic arm enabled her to deal swiftly uh, with the terrorists uh, it also proves a weak point because uh, the boomer in question uh, not only can fuse with a supercomputer, but can fuse with any um, technology and attempts to do so to access uh, Gina's brain by fusing with the arm and the um, control points, I guess, that uh, the, the interface that would enable her normally to control it uh, mentally. But as previous, um, Leon this time returns the favor and, and shows up in the nick of time uh, to destroy the, the boom before it can um, take over Gina's body. So not only do we have this technological uh, global threat to, to be concerned with, we have the body horror aspect um, of the whole series in general, really, uh, the idea of man combining with machine, uh, of humanity uh, being stripped of such by um, that fusion, and then the unwilling fusion of man and machine. So not only the elective um, transformation, but uh, the, the fear and the danger that can be associated with the machine uh, of its own volition um, uh, absorbing the, your, your humanity. And it's precisely that fusion of uh, human and uh, cyborg that uh, we'll be discussing in, in, in length 
um, next episode as we look at the third OVA um, of AD Police and a film, Lady Battle Cop. So with that, this is Hard Rock Saves the Space Dandy, signing off. We'll catch you next time. 